out how to start the how to start the podcast. I mean, we're kind of in it, right? We are in it, and that's what I like about it, right? I I think I'm gonna just stick with that. At first, I was trying to do these big intros and everything, and I also I try and pull that mic a little bit closer. Um, I don't. I'm trying not to parrot other podcasts that I watch. Yeah, and there's a lot of them out there. Uh, Well. you don't want to pick up anyone else's thing. That's the, that's the funny thing is there's a lot out there, but not a lot that speaks to me, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of why I started the podcast because it's like, okay, the content is moving toward these alternative platforms mm-hmm. and the next generation is watching on places like YouTube and, you know, Spotify has Rumble really taken all that. Exactly. Know. Right. Uh, Twitter, even now, like uh, yeah. Elon today posted uh, that, Tucker Carlson's viewership is now the size of the world. I, that's tough. What is he? No, 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 no. Sorry. He says you can speak to the world. The pop, his population is greater than the population of America is how much, how many viewers he's reaching on X specifically. Yeah. Wow. So Over he, 350 million. People. Yeah. Yeah. From single digit wow. millions. And, and this is all Elon's narrative on X. Go look at, I'll, I'll put it up. Okay. Uh, but he said that, yeah, Tucker went from single digit million views mm-hmm. to now b- having a more platform. a worldwide platform and having more viewers than the population of the U S because he's on Twitter X. So That'll be interesting. I wonder how in the long run that'll impact the world because we're kind of homogenizing this across the I mean, multiple cultures now. I, I, My curiosity is how much is he actually, how many people are watching on Twitter? Like, because 350 million people watching on Twitter, I, I don't. It seems a little unbelievable. It, it, yeah. it, it as most things with Elon, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, don't throw a rock at the window, maybe yeah. at the unveiling, unless you know yeah. that your bulletproof glass is not going to shatter. Yeah. Maybe impressions are a little bit different than actual right viewers, but maybe that's, that's also the new Twitter, right? Or is it still the same Twitter X It's Twitter.com, but it's X. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, you no, look like a I'm guy who gonna keep calling it Twitter until <laughs> I die, I guess. And tweets and retweets. It's gonna be like the this generational thing. Like he's so old, he still calls it Twitter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the scarier part is that that will be three years from now, Derek. Yeah, so, I know. all right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. First off, uh, I, I owe two rounds of congratulations to you. First and foremost, on uh, the baby boy that is yes. is impending. Uh, your wife is here with your daughter. We have a complete family podcast here, so uh, we we celebrate that. So, congrats to you on Thank baby you. number two. You got a boy. Yes. Uh, has the pool started on how long the beard is going to be when it's born? Uh, no, no. I I mean, there's a such thing as terminal length, okay. and it's not much longer than this. I don't think. Okay. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So you you have that. encoded that into your DNA. It's in the DNA. It's epigenetic yeah. now. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the the Wilson clan from henceforth will will be uh, well frocked uh, yes. on their face. Yeah, I'm gonna get get him one of those little beanies that has like the beard. Yeah, uh, into for it. sure. So. I, I don't think you're gonna be the only one get, getting that. Yeah, like, actually, uh, we will probably get gifted several of them. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, and then there's probably the like the bib that has the beard facade oh, with. That. I'm sure there's out there. I That's mean, brilliant. 
But yeah, yeah uh, there's the mustache pacifiers. Oh, you know? I've seen those. Yeah, yes, those so great. I mean, lots of fun to be had there. Yeah, like an Andrew Murr looking. Uh, yeah, oh, mustache. for sure. I mean, uh, like how it, how he has not made that part of like one of his campaign things. Like I don't know. Uh, he still doesn't control that Twitter account either. The mustache. Yeah. No. So yeah. yet another Stan uh, text ledge. All these staffers with their Anon accounts. It's it's pretty funny. But well, you know what? Uh, you got to doff the cap occasionally to the Stan accounts. They yeah. they do bring some uh, levity to the party. Absolutely. Although I, I stand by my statement that it was a slow news day at the Houston Chronicle when they decided to put a front page story about the Stan accounts. Oh, you missed this? Oh, I'll send no a idea. link to you. Yeah, I'll put that up too. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they did a front page story about the text ledge Twitter stan accounts. Wow. Mm -hmm. And most of them don't even have that many followers because it's kind of an inside inside joke. Thing. No, I mean they're they got more followers than me. Like I'm closing in on a thousand, but they like for sure and, and as a Sevy award winner from yes, this past session. Days. Look, yes. uh you know that that has become the new coveted thing. The internet uh awards I think will take over. It was MTV awards for our generation. I don't feel like people For a short period of time I was asking myself, is this is this Jordan? But uh I'm pretty sure that Look, that staffer is actually a Democrat. Uh, I I wish I had that that much swag, right? Like Sevs has a lot of swag, like yeah. a lot of drip, and yeah. I I am not quite that level. Uh, but I, I will say, means. you are not the first person to accuse me of some of these Stan accounts. I think yeah. I have built a big enough profile, and the the funny thing is, Twitter not my bag. Yeah, I I. I I'm not. You started that overturfing trend. Yeah, right. But that was like I was sitting in my office uh, with Kevin Cruiser shouts, uh, and we, I, I saw Meyer walk across the screen, and then I think I saw Zweener, and I was like, I wish I could get a photo of Oscar Longoria, Morgan Meyer, and Aaron Zweener together, and then I remembered oh yeah i can do this on my own i have this skill set and yes. so yes over turfing uh became a thing i did not plan for it to yeah. i it was just a lark it I'm was sure that's where the inspiration for most of these stan accounts come from though for sure right uh, but i i will say i am chasing the dragon like oscar yeah. meyer's wiener is by far one of the now yeah. Every se every session presents new opportunities, mm -hmm. right? Who knows what uh, the 89th legislature will hold? We do have a special session coming up. That's true. Uh, so That's I true. imagine there will be some overturfing uh, taking off during that as well. Um, but <laughs> now that we've gotten on a Twitter tangent, yeah. uh, the other congratulations I wanted to give you is on uh, being named the Texas YR chair. Uh, I... I I don't know if you're feeling as salubrious as the the baby boy, but uh, what three weeks in? Actually, I think uh, it's about a month now, almost. Yeah, it's three weeks to a month somewhere in there. Yeah. So how's it fitting on you, man? It's pretty good. I I would say I feel like TYRF is experiencing more success in a lot of ways than it has in a long time, mm -hmm. and I know some of that has been it's been kind of a long setup, um, but you know. Three weeks in, and I I have been able to talk to people from you know Ted Cruz's office on down that are excited about some of the things we're doing, especially with these new policy initiatives where we're integrating mm -hmm. with the House and the Senate and like giving YRs the opportunity to 
you know, carve out solutions to problems they're dealing with in direct conjunction with a, uh, with a house or Senate, um, legislator. I, I think it's inspiring a lot of people. And I think it's going to bring a lot of people on board. There's a lot of things that we're doing like that. So I'm pretty excited about it. It feels like success. So, uh, on the policy stuff, how many, uh, different committee, these subcommittees that you created, how many are there? There are 10. There are 10 subcommittees. Uh, I, and I like how you've organized it, how uh, you're, you're stepping away from uh, specific uh, policy ideas and instead saying, let's come to the table and talk about a lot of different solutions on broad areas. And you're, you're really running the gambit. Water, uh, cybersecurity, uh, or infotech, IT, something like that, right? Uh, no, I think you're... Maybe you're referring to reliable energy expansion. Uh, I, I I didn't see. I don't. There's nothing cyber tech. I, I could have swore. Okay, my bad. Sorry. I, so I'll let you, Cutting the expert. <laughs> the, the, so what are these ten subcommittees? So that way I don't get yeah, it wrong. Yeah. So um, we have you know the rising price of of higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me let me start by saying this. Like part of the decision to actually run for chair had to come down to like the amount of time you invest in a volunteer position like this, mm-hmm. you have to decide, is it worth making this to your commitment? Because um, it's, it's not right to take on a role if you're not going to dedicate everything to it that it deserves. Um, well, in fairness to you too, you've already dedicated two years as vice chair. Yes. Yeah. So you, you've been in, you've seen the organization uh, grow and continue to thrive. Yeah. Uh, and now you're picking up uh, the mantle. Yeah. yeah and I, I have seen the, the trials that come with that. Like you can do good work and there's still always going to be people to complain about it. And, you know, there will be days where you're like, why do I do this? Like instead of this volunteer thing, I could be putting more time into my business or whatever else you have to decide, is it worth it? And, you know, coming up to it and making the decision, it was kind of like, if the if the only goal here is just to grow the organization, um, organizations they they rise and fall all the time, they grow and they shrink. Is that worthy of dedicating two years of your life and the the time that I have to take my my away from my family or drag mm-hmm. my family into these things? I've I married way up. My wife's very patient and supportive of all this stuff, but for me it was if we're going to do this what are the things that makes it worth it to where it's not a waste of my life, the time with my family or the waste of any life that gets involved with me. And it came down to, as, as I'm fond of saying, um, a society grows great when wise men plant trees whose shade they will not get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, we get really wrapped up in, issues that are happening right now. And I think sometimes we sacrifice looking forward 20 years to what kind of world my daughter, for instance, is going to inherit. So we took some issues that we thought, what's going to be a real problem in 20 years if we don't handle it now? And um, we also took some of the issues where like, what are issues that are happening now to this generation? And how do we, we handle those? They may not all be the spiciest issue, but you know, there's a, another saying, you don't realize the value of water until the well runs dry. Yeah. You know, right now things aren't real bad with water, but we're starting to see issues there. And, you know, I would like 
to make sure that with Texas growing the way it is, that we are prepared for our kids to inherit the greatest state in the United States and it still be everything that we wanted it to be, the American dream, the Texas dream, all of that. So we start going through these things and we look at like the price of education. And I don't remember what the, um, I've got several charts on this, but you know, it's like 800% higher than the, the growth rate of, uh, um, inflation, just the regular inflation rate, 800% for higher education. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps going up. And there's no reason to assume that that, that that trajectory is going to change in the next 20 years. It'll just keep going up and up and up. What does that mean for her? What do we need to look at? What problems are, are there that maybe we can do something about this now so that our kids have a better, a better shot. Um, same thing. So that one higher education, that's Briscoe Kane that mm-hmm. is sponsoring us with that. And we're really appreciative of him. I mean, one of the most conservative members in the house and then uh, the cost of, you know, medical care, mm-hmm. Dr. Oliverson, who was one of the people who pushed this, uh, you know, gender mutilation ban in the 88th, um, really great guy. He's really excited to work with us on that because it's the same thing. 14, yeah. I think it's 1400%. Well, and also uh shout out to uh, Dr. Oliverson for everything he's been doing in terms of uh, uh surprise medical billing. And oh, yeah. uh, like he, he is the guy. Uh, I, I mean, there's, to be fair, there's a lot of, of folks who are working on healthcare issues mm-hmm. in the legislature, uh, but he is one of the champions on uh, healthcare policy that you can directly point to. Uh, Chair Click uh, is one of those as well. I mean, she yeah. chairs the Public Health Committee, yeah. uh, and she's one of your subcommittee chairs as well, right? Yeah. So she's doing uh, mental health, mm-hmm. and you know, I think uh, most people realize that we're having a mental health crisis in this country now. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is from decisions we made in decades past and how to handle it. And I think there are a plethora of reasons now. And, you know, I am not going to control the outcome of these committees. I am going to be interviewing the people along with Eric Paracakis, our policy director, as to who goes there. Mm-hmm. And That's um, the chair of the, was the North or the Northmost Austin YRs. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on. I'm trying yeah. to get some views there's, here, there's Derek. Civil, I got a civil war going on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. We can just talk policy policy all the time and everyone's like (laughs) yeah i I guess i don't need to go through all 10 of them but we do we do have like really great people on them and they're all handling issues that will impact you know the next generation so it's it's education it's healthcare, it's mental health it's you know water supply you know reliable energy and i know with things like that some of that's probably going to get kicked up to like hey we need federal involvement Mm -hmm. here because of all of the restrictions on nuclear and things like that. Yeah. So it's there, there are 10 of them. They're really great. We actually still have a couple of openings left at this time. So if anyone's a YR and wants to sit down with a legislator and help solve problems, mm-hmm. um, this is a huge opportunity. I've never heard of anyone else doing this before. And yeah. these legislators are excited. I mean, uh, Ben, Ben Bumgarner representative from yep. up in Den, he is, I mean, yeah, I know he's, he's got a better beard than me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. D- uh, 
I know I'm not a Twitter guy, but Twitter has spoken. Twitter has spoken. Twitter has spoken. <laughs> See, this it's, is what you get for not doing it on Facebook. I think you would have had maybe a different yeah, result. I, I don't know. May, maybe. I think it was probably a little more honest. His beard is pretty glorious. <laughs> you know, a friend was like, we need to do a fundraiser where one of you has to shave off your beard. And I'm like, I'm not risking You've already Ben done Baumgartner's that. beard. Yes, right? I did do that once. Yeah. I did. It was actually, it was at terminal length at that point. It was probably <laughs> down another three inches or so. It's it's not a very fast look. I, mine is at terminal length for me. Like as is soon as really? as soon as the mustache starts to like touch my lip or it becomes a problem with like eating food, like I'm out. I oh so it's it's a self imposed. Yes, problem. I mean at one time I yeah. had a, given it a pretty solid go, yeah. uh, and I just it's uh, not for you, huh? I, I would love to like at some point, maybe I will, uh, maybe Jasmine will like not care. And, Mm -hmm. but for right now, she also has like, like length limits on it. And, you know, so reasonable spousal regulations. I I mean, you know, these are the compromises you make, uh, when you get married. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But we shaved after I had had the beard for like eight years, it got shaved off for that fundraiser. And I, I saw something I don't want to see again for a long time, so I grew it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why yeah. I keep it. Uh, I don't go fresh face either. No, right? I was like, I, I look like a fat baby. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, there's one more chin than oh, there yeah. was when I first grew it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, the, there's definitely some camouflage going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beard, beards are good for some of us. Just cover. Okay, so shouts yeah. to uh, to Representative Bumgarner, uh, who is also one of the coolest reps in terms of uh, what he does as a firearms producer. So, oh yeah, uh, Denton County's own. Uh, when I talked to him about it, um, so he's on uh, cartels and human trafficking. That's yeah. one of the subcommittees, mm-hmm. and you know we got different responses from different reps. Some are like, yeah, I think I can do X, Y, and Z, and you know Bumgarner and Oliverson both are like. Let's come up with at least three bills. I've got some great ideas. I mean, let's sit down. Let's get this going. They're yeah. excited. It's going to be, I mean, they're both such great people. All of our people. Like people. as a staffer, I appreciate that stuff too. Like I like stakeholders coming together and saying, hey, let's let's get some ideas on paper and start moving the ball, right? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, it, to be fair, it, it may be a little soon, especially with the special session coming up. So much of the focus is going to be on education, uh, trying Hopefully. to, you know, I- increase funding for public education, uh, figure out if the governor is going to get his school choice initiative. Uh, teacher pay raises are also on the table, uh, which all of this stuff has been funded already, yeah. uh, which is one of the th- nuances. I know we're talking boring policy stuff, but this one I'll, I do want to say, uh, is that the budget has already been passed and the money is sitting there, but the legislature, the legislature has to pass that, uh, the, the actual bills to authorize the release of those funds for that purpose. So that's why this special session is coming up because we also don't want to have a wasted opportunity. And honestly, the longer that money sits there, it is going to lose value, yeah. uh, which is, you know, one of the comptroller's, uh, big things when you talk about how, how we protect the state's investments going forward. Um, there's so well, much policy. And these stuff. kids deserve the best option as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Too. 
Yeah. So, you know, every every delay is, you know, a delay for some of these kids to get into programs that are best suited for them. Yeah. Well, you know, we've seen this argument uh, uh, plenty of times uh, in my short tenure. Uh, and so I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, what is put on the table. You know, yeah. I, I think we're we're getting closer than we ever have. I've seen uh, the ball move on this one. Um, but there is a pretty strong contingent in the House that uh, that is going to carefully oppose uh, oppose school choice, especially where yeah. that choice is not necessarily available. Right. Yeah. Um, but in any case, so you've got, you've got these policy committees, you've got, uh, uh subcommittee chairs in the legislature house and Senate, uh, Brian Hughes, Brian is, Hughes is one of them. What, which one is so he his on? is uh home ownership getting out of reach. This is kind of a, kind of a dicey topic. We have to figure out exactly the best way of handling no, it, but I, we just, I'm on board. Uh, Dr. Stuckey and I worked on this, okay. this session. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so we're talking about like a whole whole wide breadth of things from, you know, like Cole Course SB 147, for mm-hmm. instance, which yep. was, uh, you know, banning essentially foreign investors from China, Iran, mm-hmm. I, what, North Korea is if North Korea could do anything anyways. Yeah, but, I mean, I, um, I, I think it was similar to uh, some of the other legislation we've seen passed around the country. I'm pretty sure Governor Noam has signed a, a bill uh, banning the basically the evil empires or, or right. you know, the the countries that we know have nefarious interests. Um, it, you know, it. it is one of those hot button issues, especially since, you know, here time and time again food security is national security right and we keep seeing farm ownership uh dwindle you know there are still plenty of uh legacy uh family farms that are out there operating and god bless those folks um you know if you don't know how to support them find a way to support them right uh contribute to co-ops go to farmers markets you know there's a million different ways to to help these folks but on the policy side 147 uh is is a step in that direction um what else i mean uh for you what what are policy ideas on home ownership because that's one i think that people who do listen to this podcast are interested in yeah. whether you own a home or you're young republican looking to buy in the future well and again it's also that long-term vision for like will our kids be able to buy homes because you know home ownership is a big part of the american dream um, a lot of philosophers throughout history would posit that you can't even truly be free unless you can own your own home, which is a conversation that can go into property taxes as mm-hmm. well. And that's also a, a subcommittee. Um, but yeah, so we have issues like that. Like we don't want to sell the American dream of home ownership into countries, other countries and turn Americans into a generation of renters. And for whatever one might say about the other things that it, surround this saying i do think it's true there are a group of people that would say you will own nothing and be happy they want everyone to be renters because that's passive income for them that they can take off of you for the rest of your life yeah and that's that's not freedom to me mm-hmm. and when we have situations like um i think it was last year tarrant in tarrant county over 51 percent of all the homes sold went to institutional investors mm-hmm and that also has an impact on the amount of homes on the market, the prices of them. And, you know, it's a genuine concern that 
there's a generation that could be priced out of the freedom and the American dream of home ownership. And one of the things that Senator Hughes brought up that I hadn't thought about before is a really good analogy is if, if you've ever seen the classic Christmas movie, it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. What happens to um, Bedford falls in that movie where, um, where James Stewart's character mm-hmm. isn't alive, where mm-hmm. he ends up owning everything and it's Pottersville and everyone has to like live in yeah. his world. That's a kind of thing that we don't want to happen to Americans in general. Mm-hmm. So, we have to address that to make sure, like, we can't just say, you know, there there is no problem or there are no solutions to this problem. We have to sit down and discuss, like, what's the threat here? What can we do to ensure that the American dream persists for us and our children? And uh, and how do we handle that conservatively? Yeah, because you really, the, the fun thing about uh, homeownership affordability is there are a lot of policy areas you can attack from, from either deregulation to make it easier uh, to, to build yep. uh, and, and things like that. Uh, but you also have the other side of, the market itself, right. And free market principles being so much uh, of what is, is driving conservative policies has driven Texas to being the economic engine of America, uh, not just on energy, but so many issues, ninth largest economy in the world. You don't get that way by, you know, putting a bunch of restrictions on, on companies. Right. Um, and a lot of times government actually causes the problem in some way or another well, because I, they do pick winners and losers. For sure, for sure. But I do wonder how uh, how much of the market is currently being driven by the fact that uh, investment in, uh, in these types of passive uh, income uh, companies, I mean, you've got, uh, I, I'm way outside my lane here, but the basic idea is that you get a group of investors that pool funding together to be able to purchase houses. And it just creates this conglomerate of home ownership that uh, is renting. And what we see is whenever a uh, housing market goes bust, that's who comes in and buys more homes, right? Yeah. So even though that bubble and bursts. if a company buys up a bunch of homes <laughs> like that and collapses, they end up getting bailed out with taxpayer dollars, which impacts us through inflation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. No, we get, yeah. yeah. Go watch the big I mean, short we, if you want to. You know. That's a great movie, actually. Uh, yeah. uh, the uh, simplest explanation of what happened uh, in 2008 and when our generation, frankly. Uh, the first be- time we got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we definitely, uh, we, you know, for me, I had been out of college a year and I was like, oh, okay, this is what we've like kind of mm-hmm. been talking about in the background yeah. right um and so uh, I, right now i think interest rates are the biggest thing that are are uh keeping uh homeowner markets cooled right now because it's it's not a great time especially if you're a young yeah. uh homeowner because you are looking at those longer term rates unless you're doing very well and then you can do a a, a shorter contract but there Boring. are entities out there that don't care about the interest rates because they've got plenty of cash to buy up the homes, drive up the market. I, I'm not saying I know what the solutions are right now, Yeah. but what we can all say is there is a problem here. Mm-hmm. Let's sit down and spend some time studying it and trying to come up with solutions before we have a serious problem. Yeah, and 
if you actually work on the ownership issue where you have fewer people in apartments and more people in uh, homes, uh, you know, all of that development helps with the property tax issue, especially, you know, as uh, um, SB2 from 2019 continues to uh, be carried forward we see that no new revenue cap is really having an effect in terms uh, of where those rates are. Uh, Denton County just lowered its tax rate to the lowest it's been since the mid eighties, I think. Right. Yeah. And so uh, the, the consequences of that legislation that has been passed recently is having an effect, but affordability and the uh, getting people, like you said, out of rental into ownership, I think it builds community too. Yes, absolutely. Which I, I think is a, a nice segue into one of the things that I, I really admire about you. And again, you've only been chair for a month, but I have seen you be very vocal about what your values are. You're very passionate and you're not shrinking from the folks who are trying to start stuff on Twitter, right? Oh yeah. Which uh, we know there's a million people uh, that, that like to get into those engagements, but talk to me about your, your values and how you are using them to kind of guide you in your role as chair of the YRs. I mean, well, all of my values come from the same place. I am a, you know, I am a Bible believing Christian. I am, I am one of those nutty true believers, and I try to the best of my ability to adhere to those principles. Like, but why, you can, why do you call yourself nutty? Like, Well, I, I, that's, yeah, that's, that's self-effacing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the ways it's viewed. Like, I've, I've been called a radical fundamentalist and all sorts of things. And I've been called both like a Democrat and a radical fundamentalist and a rhino and yeah. socialist and a, and a uh, Christian nationalist and... All manner of things. I don't think people know what to do with me, but. <laughs> well, I will say uh, to, to my part, I've never found you to be radical. Um, and I, I would say that in the short time you have, I mean, you're promoting something that I, I'm on board with, right? Which is that uh, central core of the family unit, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big family guy. My wife and I got married at, uh, at 23 and. We had been dating for four years. We probably should have gotten married a couple of years earlier, in in my opinion. Like hindsight being twenty twenty, at the time it was like we were we were nervous because we were both broke. You know, it was it was still during the recession, mm -hmm. and you know, I was like, I I can live off ramen noodles, but I don't want to like make her live off ramen noodles. But you know, yeah. that was all in hindsight. It was dumb. It was dumb. Should have just gone for it, gone for it. And I gotta say, being married. Um, and marrying young was a great decision. Um, I'm also married up as I've pointed mm -hmm. out earlier. Well, most successful men do. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be anything of what I am without her. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's also, we share the same values, which is very, very important in a relationship. And, uh, you know, becoming a dad has been, it's, it's been massively impactful. Like I've always been a conservative. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be pro-life, but it's another thing to be pro-life after you've seen your daughter suck on her fist in like an ultrasound at a time where you know 
it was still legal to abort her for another week. Mm -hmm. Like it hits home right there. And then, you know, having a small business that also makes you fiscally conservative in a way. And yeah. when you become a homeowner, property taxes become a much bigger deal and yeah, all of these yeah. sorts of things. Like, life happens to us, right? Mm. But the family thing is, I wish everybody had what I have. And, you know, I was blessed to grow up in a home that didn't have divorce. I was blessed to grow up in a home where I had two sets of grandparents that weren't divorced, that were, you know, faithful bible believing not perfect but their principles came from the right place and they tried to live them out you know and you know greatest the greatest generation i'm i'm sure we remember it a little bit better than some some of the gen z and such but they were cut from a different cloth and i, I do miss them um, a lot of them I, I mean having that direct connection to them yes. i i think it is why the chain is starting to break, if not broken, between the generations, right? And I, I think it's going to get so much worse. But to be fair, do you think that you could have the same nostalgia? Granted, there were two different conflicts, but do you feel like you have the same connection to those American soldiers who fought and died in World War One? I? I mean, it's it's kind of similar, right? It is similar, but I don't have like, I don't, I didn't have a relationship with them. Personally. And that's kind of my point, right? Yeah. It, it, and again, different conflicts and the romance, uh, the historic romance of the greatest generation uh, and everything they did uh, in response to that war, but also economically, everything that followed, you know, uh, when we were a nation that built things, uh, you know, which yeah. I, we still yeah. build things. It's just different than it, than it was then. Right. Um, well, I, I think this actually goes back to this whole thing we were talking about earlier with planting, planting trees whose shade we won't get to enjoy. Yeah. It at least felt to me in my experience that the greatest generation having gone through the depression and seen how bad it can get. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my grandmother told me about working all summer to earn enough money for a pair of shoes so she could go to school. Like, that's poverty. Yeah. Um, they worked really hard to make sure that their kids didn't have to experience that kind of need. Mm -hmm. And within millennials and Gen Z, there is kind of this idea that the boomer generation that followed them took all of those things and then they turned around and, and took the prosperity of the next generation as well. Mm -hmm. Like all of these hedge funds that are buying up all the homes, they're paying the retirements of boomers, for instance. Yeah. But I also think, uh, and not to get on my old man's soapbox as this podcast, uh, tends to become, no, no, go, go right <laughs> ahead. There's, there's a lot of nuance in the topic. Yeah, I'm I, just telling you what the perception no, is. No, I, I, I will also, uh, I mean, this is steering a little bit away from uh, the thing that I like about you, which is oh, that you, we, we you're, get back to you that. are we'll get very back positive in the things that you are promoting, right? You, yes. you are coming from a position of support as opposed to uh, attacking or, or knocking anyone down. I, yeah. and, and rather than putting this comment under all of Gen Z, I will actually throw all of American society under the bus on this one. And yeah. that our view of what poverty is, Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it, Deeply skewed. Yes. And, yeah. and it, it is shown uh, there's plenty of memes or illustrations out there in terms of what our 
our monetary envy or socioeconomic envy is as yeah. it scales up, right? Like, you know, the, the person who has a hundred thousand dollars looks up to the millionaire, looks up to the 10 millionaire, looks sure. up, and on and on and on. Right. So it's human nature. Yeah, it, it is right. Yeah. But generationally is something I was thinking of. I mean, we're sitting in a room right now that has more crap in it than my grandparents ever wanted or needed. My great grandparents, I fortunately did get to know them a little bit. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Basha and Jaja. Uh, they had a family farm in Indiana that uh, had interstate come plow right through the middle of yeah. it right but they uh they never complained as far as uh as far as i know uh i got to experience what it was like on that farm picking apples and watching uh basha make a homemade apple pie like that whole thing right yeah. and, and that i think speaks to the family unit right but now there is so much right we are such a consumer economy that that I think is creating as much of the skew in terms of poverty. Whereas there are people who seriously are not sure where the next meal is coming from, you know, are on that, you know, making as, as much as they can out of that last mile of shoe. Right. right. And so to, to your point, planting those trees for the next generation, but even, you know, the greatest generation, what they planted it was more than 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's been the last 50, 60 years. Yeah. And, and I think we've become more critical uh, in our society. True. Right. Because I, I think we just, we want to be inspired by those ideals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And I, I don't think it's just the, the financial aspect of planting trees. I think there's also a spiritual. For sure. Of, as, as a, of it as well. I mean, and what we were talking about with that whole family unit and stuff, you know, having grandparents around as a guide is is beneficial to the kids. And I, I do worry that as the family becomes less important to society, that they're robbing the next generations of of that relationship, of that opportunity for growth. They're going to be going to social media for you know, advice from other people the same age and bad and advice. Jordan Peterson and, is not as popular as he is. Uh, right. You know, if there weren't this just gaping hole yeah. uh, of uh, patriarch, patriarchal yearning. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I will say, though, that I think Jordan Peterson is one, uh, one outlet, one platform, one person who is trying to turn the tide back. You're certainly one of those people. Like I said, I, I watch what you do and what you say. There have been many people who I've come across in my life who I've befriended, who I am inspired by how they walk their walk and in Christian terms, right? The walk that they're walking, whether or not they're, it's a faith-based walk or not, I am seeing how they are acting and treating others, treating their family, uh, the importance uh, of a family. And I think that our society is turning back toward that, right? I, I really hope so. I mean, I think we, we need to remember that everything we're doing is supposed to be a labor of love. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to come from a place of love. A lot of you know, what the Republican Party is painted as being about, for instance, is, is just 
hate. And sometimes it does look like that. And I mm -hmm. think people get jaded and they get angry and they, they feel like they've been doing nothing but lose and it turns them into a bitter person. But this, the minute you become a permanently bitter person, you, you've, you've lost. Yeah. On both sides, right? Yeah. Like it, it, when you lose the, the humanity yeah. and, and what you're, you're trying to do, whether it's, you know, Christ focused or, you know, his, his message, which love unity, you know, going out and, and reaching out to those who are not on the walk. Right. Um, uh, you a jelly roll guy at all? jelly roll yeah you you don't seem like you would i don't think there's a single like musician that you listen to that has a face tattoo i like you would you would be correct <laughs> yeah okay well jelly roll uh is so the, this is you're not talking about food you're actually no talking, i'm talking about there's a, a person there's a jelly roll dude right now who uh so speaks rapper, to, uh, actually not well he he was but he recently switched and is doing more country and he did a jelly roll does not sound very country oh but, uh, but we, we, if you ever see or hear this dude like he okay. uh, he he's from tennessee and he sounds every bit of it uh and his 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 story is certainly one that, you know, it's not a walk that I think any of us would ever want our children to go through. Uh, but his journey has brought him to this place where he just released, uh, uh, almost a year ago now, uh, a record that is faith, faith-based, right? He, he, yeah. he told the story on another podcast. Um, but basically he, he had gotten a record deal finally after already getting, billion views on YouTube for doing his own thing. Right. And he's like already been writing the, these songs in Nashville and, you know, music row is churning out hits for him. And he has this experience with his daughter where he goes to church with her, right. She's starting to get into her walk and she's caught the, the spark. Right. And so he wants to, he wants to fan that flame. Right. He wants to see that grow within her. So he goes with her and it ends up taking him on this spiritual journey where he goes back to the little tiny church uh, that he went to when he was growing up and he was beginning his walk that obviously went way off the path, right? Uh, but it brought him right back and he put out this record that, you know, and, and he's, he's speaking a message that speaks to me, which is don't don't focus on the church and the people in it instead focus on the people who you love, who you care about, who you want to see saved and, you know, talk to them, walk your walk, right. And do so in a way that, uh, that brings them along with you. Right. And that's uh, it, the reason I just, I, I wonder if you've heard of him at all is because I feel like that's what you're doing, Derek. Uh, you are, trying to bring along people with you. Right. And, and that's something that it, within our political, uh, our political society, it feels like it's been more antagonistic more and more, right? Like silos have been around for a long time now. And the big tent party that Reagan, I got a ton of Reagan stuff all, sure. all over this place. Uh, the, that big tent party that he talked about, right. It, it, it seems like that is where you are trying to get to, right. And doing so in a way that isn't antagonistic, right. You, 
have a passion for something and you are pumping up the positive in it, right? Yeah. How do you, con- there's a lot of positive, but how do you continue to stay positive, especially in a, I'm going to assess pool like Twitter, <laughs> you know, a cesspool yeah. of, of mediocrity. And I think mm-hmm. even mediocrity is being fair. Um, yeah. How do you stay it's positive? Sometimes it but is, even outside but, of Twitter, right? You know, the Republican politics, you know, you can put a target on yourself. Like you said, you've been called, yeah. you know, uh, everything from a white Christian nationalist extremist on the far yeah. right to as liberal Democrat, AOC, whatever you're on the left you, yeah. you can get. Right. Yeah. How do you stay positive? Well, I, it's not like I don't have my moments, um, but there are a couple of things. Um, number one, I, I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. Um, number, let me see. I hope you can cut this up a little bit because I want to put some thought <laughs> into it and not just, you know, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. But uh, another thing, at least with Twitter, some of the best advice that I ever heard about Twitter came from Dave Chappelle. And that's when he said that he, he got drug on Twitter and he didn't care because Twitter's not a real place. And I think a lot of people forget that. And just because a bunch of people are yelling at you at Twitter, there's bubbles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like one person decides to retweet you so that they're 86,000 people with the same bubble of beliefs as them drags you. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And if you know that what you're doing or saying is in line with your conscience and in line with your values, you have absolutely no reason to care what anyone else thinks about you. You care about what's right, not about what people think. And because of where my beliefs come, come from, I think that in the long run, even if not in the short run, that always wins out. But how do you, I mean, Twitter also feels like a place where individuals and groups of people want to win, right? And if they like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you one. There there is one upside that I have found from Twitter. Um, Maybe two. We'll say two. One of them is that the discourse not with the person you're necessarily debating, but the fact that you're debating them and other people are watching mm-hmm. brings people around. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge thing, but it does happen. The other thing with Twitter is that you get, you do get access to people that you would not normally get access to. Um, so, or they get access to you or they get access to you. Like you can find people who agree with you mm-hmm. in your own legislature or whatever else in a way that you, you won't find in places like Facebook or mm-hmm. even just oftentimes picking up the phone and trying to reach them. I would find that I've, I've actually had more access to representatives through Twitter than I have through the normal traditional means. And, and that is a great thing about it. Mm-hmm. But all the flame wars and stuff doesn't matter. But if you can convince a few people of of what you're talking about, that can matter. For pe- yeah, for people who uh, want to know what uh, you've got going on or follow Texas YRs, uh, uh, Hannah Beth is trying to uh, grow more clubs and things. I probably got all these officer titles wrong. No, no, you're right. She is our club development okay. director. I mean, last I checked, she is working with nine new potential clubs. 
and there's one one per county. Now some of them are gonna be slower or faster than others. But you know, if if you want to join the Texas YRs, you can go to our website, TexasYR.gop, and you can find um, you can find a club near you. If you don't have a club near you, you can start one. And um, if you don't have enough people around you, say you're in a rural county or something like that, and you just want to be a member, you can join as an at-large member on the same website. Um, so TexasYR.gop. And, you know, I, I have to do this. This is my job now. But if you would like to donate to the next generation or the new ah, – I got to stop saying next generation. We're in our 30s. We are the new generation of Republican leadership. Um, yeah, if you want to donate to the new generation Republican leadership, you can find a donate link there on the TexasWire.gop website as well. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, P- oh, you covered it. <laughs> Your comms director will thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I had to do, had to cover that, and I had to make sure to ask for money because somebody's got to work on the general election. And it's going to be us, and we have to have resources for it.